The idea of the monkey mind is rooted in ancient Buddhism and preserved in the ancient stories of the monkey king, some of which originated thousands of years ago at a time when there were apes in China. In America, the comparison of humans with apes is uncomfortable with negative undertones. And this is unfortunate because we can learn a lot about ourselves from stories, metaphors, observation, and serious scientific studies. I have learned a lot from animals and animal stories. For now, I want to focus on the theme of loyalty, beginning with the monkey king and how he changes. In the Chinese stories, the character of the monkey king is transformed at the beginning of this long series of stories, the monkey is selfish, undisciplined, irresponsible, and making trouble for everyone. Until eventually the Bodhisattva Guan Yin gives him a mission to accompany the famous Buddhist monk Xuanzang on a pilgrimage from China through Afghanistan to India during the years 629 to 645. Thousand-year-old images of Guan Yin depict her as a competent person, fully capable of persuading an egotistical monkey to be a loyal companion during a long and dangerous pilgrimage across deserts and over mountains. The true story of this pilgrimage was meticulously documented in 12 volumes with the boring title Great Tang Records of the Western Regions. The Monkey King version is more exciting, enlivened by ancient folk tales dating back thousands of years. During this long pilgrimage, the Monkey King changes. Guan Yin understood him, and his egotism disappears as he becomes loyal to his companions. According to these ancient stories, there are resources buried in our subconscious minds, and in these stories, the monsters are not just monsters, they can be understood. And a few of them eventually become loyal to the Monkey King and his companions. This pilgrimage took Xuanzang through Afghanistan and the ancient city of Balkh, birthplace of Jalaladin Rumi. The stories of Guanyin also passed through Balkh, along a string of Buddhist city states between Afghanistan and China. For thousands of years, the city of Balkh was the meeting point of many roads and many religions. It is now in ruins, a reminder of the age-old question, why can't we all just get along? The stories of Guanyin and the poems of Jalaladin Rumi offer a vision of understanding 
Can we learn from the Monkey King stories and can we also learn by understanding the apes that are closest to humans, bonobos and chimpanzees? The bonobos live on the left bank of the Congo River while the chimps live on the right bank and their very different societies have been compared with the left and right in politics. The chimps are dominated by aggressive males. Male chimps number only about half the number of females because they kill each other. In contrast, bonobo societies are ruled by close-knit groups of females that keep the peace, so the numbers of male and female bonobos are about equal. A bonobo that crosses into chimp territory is killed by gangs of chimps that guard their territory. However, bonobos have not been observed to kill chimps. I have deep prejudices buried deep in my unconscious brain that one of these ways is right and the other is wrong. Which way would Guan Yin favor? The jungle on the left of the Congo River is the same as the jungle on the right, so why do bonobos and chimps have such different lifestyles? My logical monkey brain tells me that one way is the right way, and if I can persuade those who are wrong to do it the right way, they will all get along and live happily ever after. If we could change the king of the chimps, perhaps the society would change. Historically, that often worked with human societies. However, humans are almost unique in their ability to unite under the leadership of a single individual, a king, a queen, a president, a religious leader, a cult leader. Other animals do not have kings or anything remotely comparable. Recent research with electronic tracking systems has studied the behavior of herds to see if an individual leader decides when and where the herd will move. And the research shows that almost all herds work more like a democracy. Some dominant animals have more influence than others, but there's a network of communication and a decision is reached by consensus. There are no kings, except among humans, and in stories told by humans. Elephant herds are unusual because they have a single leader, usually the oldest female, the matriarch. And how has this system served the elephants? For millions of years, the elephants were great, content and uncontested. In Africa, humans had little incentive to hunt elephants. An elephant has too much meat for a small group of hunter-gatherers, unless they have a natural freezer, like people who lived in the far, frozen north. The elephants were great, until a few thousand years ago when the ivory trade provided humans with an incentive to hunt elephants. 
At present, elephant hunting is controlled. However, we delude ourselves if we think this has solved the elephant's problems. The more important problem remains, humans have stolen their land. In Africa, this began a few thousand years ago when the Bantu people migrated from the north, bringing domesticated cattle and agriculture the Bantu united into tribes of a million people under strong leaders, kings like Shaka Zulu and Mzilikazi. And they took the land from the ancient hunter-gatherers and from the elephants. Somehow and sometime, humans evolved the ability to unite and follow a single leader. And no other animal does this. The great wildebeest migration can muster a million animals, but there is no single leader. If a million elephants could unite as humans do, they could take back their land and become great again. Why do people follow a leader into war, sometimes without question? When I was young, I was strongly influenced by reason and logic, and I puzzled about wars because they made no sense. Wars have two sides, and I reasoned that one of these two sides must be right, which meant that half of the people must be wrong. The same logic would suggest that during the recent U.S. election, half the voters must be right, and half must be wrong. However, elephants do not see it this way. Elephants don't use reason and logic to decide where to direct their faith and loyalty. They are faithful to their leader. All of the elephants are right and none of them are wrong. For thousands of years there was no question about where humans should direct their loyalty. It was to their community, clan, tribe, religion. I wonder if we're deluding ourselves when we think our loyalty is based on reason and logic. Our logical conscious mind has convinced us that our decisions are logical. And on the other hand, recent research indicates that the unconscious parts of our brain drive our decisions more than we realize. Perhaps our elephant brain directs our loyalty. It doesn't surprise me that humans remain stubbornly loyal to one leader no matter what. The elephants would understand. And don't try to argue with an elephant's loyalty. Humans can learn from stories about animals and from observations of animals. And conversely, bonobos seem genuinely interested in learning from humans. And Nelly the elephant was genuinely interested in humans. Perhaps elephants could unite 
like humans. Perhaps they need a million elephant march. Their movement would be called Occupy Africa. Their leader would be the mother of all matriarchs. And they would make elephants great again. May it be so.